On About Books, we delve into the latest news about the publishing industry with interesting insider interviews with publishing industry experts. We'll also give you updates on current nonfiction authors and books, the latest book reviews, and we'll talk about the current nonfiction books featured on C-SPAN's Book TV. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And in this edition of About Books, we'll focus on a new series of short biographies put out by Yale University Press. It focuses on the concept of African-American identity. But first, here's some of the latest from the publishing world. Well, this past week, presidential historian Richard Norton Smith released his biography of President Gerald Ford. It's entitled An Ordinary Man, The Surprising Life and Historic Presidency of Gerald R. Ford. A decade in the making and clocking in at 848 pages and 140 quoted interviews, the book is being billed by publisher Harper as the definitive biography of the nation's 38th president. In describing the book, New York Times chief White House correspondent Peter Baker said, quote, Mr. Smith does for Gerald Ford what David McCullough did for Harry Truman. Smith offers a thoughtful, textured reevaluation of an often overlooked and underappreciated president. Now in other publishing news, the 45th president is set to publish his latest book. It's entitled Letters to Trump, and the book is being released through Winning Team Publishing. And in the Washington Times, Brian Darling took a look at the book, writing that, quote, the letters to and from Mr. Trump provides a good view of a man before he became the subject of daily media attacks. The letters from past decades show Mr. Trump's depth and breadth. The letters also show that as a private citizen, Mr. Trump was popular among many who denounced him when he became a candidate and then president. And finally, Publishers Weekly has for 25 years sponsored a Bookstore of the Year Award. This year, the finalists are the Edmonds Bookshop in Edmonds, Washington, Harvey's Tales in Geneva, Illinois, Interabang Books in Dallas, Main Street Books in Lafayette, Indiana, and Midtown Scholar in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And the winner will be announced at the U.S. Book Show in May. Well, we recently sat down with Yale University professor David Blight. He's one of three editors of a short biography series that focuses on individuals of African descent who shaped American history. Well, joining us now on Book TV is longtime Yale professor David Blight. He's also an author and a Pulitzer Prize winner. Professor Blight, what do you teach at Yale? Well, I teach about slavery, uh, the Civil War, and Reconstruction. How long have you been teaching that? Well, I've been teaching about that all of my career. I've been doing it at Yale about 20 years. But we've invited you on to talk about a new series that you are editing or producing called the Black Lives Series. What is that? 
Well, it's a series that Yale University Press has just begun in the past few years. Uh, the three series editors are Henry Louis Gates Jr. and Jacqueline Goldsby. Jackie is here at Yale in the English department. Skip is, of course, up at Harvard. Uh, it's a series modeled on another that Yale Press does called Jewish Lives, which has now been around 20 or 30 years. It's been a very successful series. They are short biographies, usually 200 pages or less. Uh, the Jewish Lives series has, has been uh, a triumph. Uh, so they decided to do a series called Black Lives, which is the new series. And we have the first two books coming out in the series uh, just in the next month or so. And uh, many other books in the pipeline, about 18 of them already, I believe, are signed up or the proposals are under careful review. And this, too, will be uh, biographies of broadly defined now about black lives, uh, African-Americans, Africans, anyone of African descent, uh, including even literary characters about whom or about which uh, authors will write biographies. And we'll talk about some of those books in just a minute, but why the focus on short biographies? Well, there's a lot of, a lot of readership out there, uh, as many would know, for biography. I've certainly discovered that in the last four years of my life with my biography of Frederick Douglass. Biography not only still sells, but it is also the uh, pathway into history for many people. People love reading about individual lives, especially books that not only uh, uh, explain the lives of a person, uh, famous in many cases, but not necessarily famous in other cases, but also the ways in which an individual life reveal a society, reveal at times a person lives in, or even reviews, uh, reveals a, a culture. So this is the ancient craft of biography. It is in some ways the original form of history, but it's designed now to reach a broad, serious readership who, uh, who love reading relatively short books. These will be roughly in the neighborhood of 200 pages per book. All of them by uh, uh, distinguished, serious scholars. Some, some of our writers we're signing are younger uh, authors, writers, but we have some very distinguished people who have signed into this series as well. And over a period of years, this series could produce Oh, I'd say within the next six years, as many as 20 titles, 25, possibly even 30 titles that will form a collection of black biography across across all borders and all time. Um, and and there have been other biography series before. There was a famous one, oh, back in the 1960s, 70s and 80s done by uh, Beacon Press. Uh, it was edited by uh, Oscar Hanlon. And these two were these were about American history, and they too were relatively short biographies. I can still remember uh, teaching uh, with many of those biographies from that series, especially one of John Winthrop, <laughs> done by Edmund Morgan. So your most recent book is entitled Frederick Douglass, Prophet of Freedom, 600 mm -hmm. plus pages, correct? 
It's almost 800, actually. <laughs> almost 800. I shortchanged you. Sorry That's about that. That's quite all right. That's quite all right. So will this series be looking at people as notable and well-known as a Frederick Douglass? Uh, yes. Uh, we haven't signed a book on Douglass yet, although I wouldn't rule that out. We probably will down the road. But yes, you're going to find a book soon by, about James Baldwin. Many black writers are going to be in this series. There's going to be a book on Desmond Tutu. Uh, the third book in the series, which will come out next summer, this coming summer, is on John Lewis, the great civil rights leader and congressman. Uh, there will be books on uh, Anna Julia Cooper, Paula Marshall, um, and others. Um, so, yes, there, there, there will be books here on the famous. Uh, I think we're about to sign one on Duke Ellington, as a matter of fact. So th these books are across the spectrum of politics and culture uh, and, and achievement of all sorts. It's also a series that reaches all the way back to antiquity and right on up to the current day. Um, so there's nothing out of the bounds of this kind of series including and i'm particularly proud of this one because we signed a actually a good friend uh, a great shakespeare scholar james shapiro uh, at columbia university to do a biography of the character othello how do in you fact, do how, how do you do that well he's calling it othello in america in other words it will be the story of the various ways uh, beginning in the 18th, but especially the 19th century, the ways that Othello was staged in America, depicted in America, the way Othello as a character changed over time in the 19th century into the 20th century. There was a period in the 19th century when Othello could not be portrayed as black. The Moor uh, of Venice uh, was whitened and then whitened even more especially for performances in the South. Um, we're, there's going to be a book we've signed on um, uh, Trudy Harris, an important literary scholar, is going to do a book on Bigger Thomas, Richard Wright's famous character in Native Son. Uh, and uh, there's also going to be by Shelley Fisher Fishkin, great American studies scholar. Uh, she's doing a book, a biography, if you like, of the character Jim from Huckleberry Finn. Now that means you're, she's going to be tracing reactions to the character Jim, uh, depictions of the character Jim, ethnography about the character Jim uh, over time. Uh, and I think some readers will, especially readers of literature, will find those kinds of books fascinating. I can't wait to read the books on Othello and Jim and, and those sorts of, of works. But there will also be political figures, diplomatic figures, we hope, uh, and certainly literary figures, be uh, be uh, in, in, including legal figures. I mean, we haven't even, we haven't even touched the surface yet of biographies of great lawyers and judges and so forth. Well, before we leave some of these literary figures, would you consider the biography of Jim from Huckleberry Finn in a sense to be a historical novel? No, I would, I would, I would say no to that, and I think Shelley Fisher Fishkin would, although I can't speak for her. She's writing that book. No, 
she's going to be charting the way Jim has been interpreted over time, uh, criticized over time, depicted in art over time. I mean, it is one of the most famous black characters in any American work of fiction. Jim and Huckleberry Finn. Uh, and uh, she proposed this to us and we all said, oh my God, yes, do it. Because as your audience would know, that novel Huckleberry Finn has been very controversial over time, especially for its uses of, of the N-word. And the N-word is used in related to Jim, that character. Uh, so no, this will be almost like an ethnography of a literary character over time, uh, a kind of biography. It w it stretches the, you know, the definition of the genre a bit, for sure. It's not an actual living person, of course, it's a character. Uh, by the way, uh, we have a couple books coming down the road already. I probably, I can't announce them yet, they're not, they're not yet in, on uh, certain biblical characters. So, Professor Blight, as an aside, do you think that Huckleberry Finn should still be taught in English classes, or should it be edited? No, it should not be edited, and absolutely it should be taught. Huckleberry Finn is, uh, I mean, I'm a historian, although I, I, I certainly play at cultural history. Um, no, I don't think it should be edited for anyone to read it. Uh, it, it, you know, for young readers, a, a teacher should help them understand the context, help them help explain the uses of the N-word in that book, help them understand who Mark, who Mark Twain was and, and the context of that book. And it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a perfect way to help young people begin to get comfortable with ideas like irony uh, and ideas of racism. Uh, so, no. Uh, I would never advocate that that book be censored uh, for its use of language, and certainly not for the story. It's, it's, it's one of the greatest classics in American literature. In fact, no less than Ralph Ellison, the great African-American novelist of the 20th century who wrote Invisible Man, said uh, everything changed after Huck Finn. That, that Huckleberry Finn was a, was a pivot of American literature. And, and, and in terms of, of recreating an American language, and Ellison said, you know, that, that writers, black or white, or otherwise, uh, had been responding in a way to the power and achievement of Huckleberry Finn ever since. Now, given your writing career, my guess is that the book coming out by Diana Barry is one of your favorites or one of your choices. It's about Anna Murray Douglas, the wife of Frederick Douglass. Right, now here's another very intriguing and challenging part of this genre. Now, Anna Murray Douglas, of course, is a very real person. Uh, she was Frederick Douglass's wife of 44 years, but Anna remained illiterate all of her life. So we do not have much of anything that Anna wrote. We, we have her, her voice to some extent, as spoken about or written about by her children, her four surviving adult children, and to some extent commentary about her, but it takes, it takes a skilled researcher. I mean, I did some of this for my biography. You have to get at Anna 
her life, her story through other people and through side doors to her experience. You get at her through the context in which she lived. But she was a truly crucial person in the life of not only Frederick Douglass, but certainly his family and his his four children and their 21 grandchildren. Um, and so Dinah Berry proposed to do this, uh, a short biography of Anna Murray Douglas. Now, and what, Anna, what, what Dinah is likely to do, although I don't know, I'm, I'm not writing that book, Dinah is, but she may also deal with Anna's changing place in our imagination over time or changing place even within the life of Frederick Douglass over time. So th th that book will have a, a, a good deal of imagination about it. At the same time, it's going to have a lot of empirical research. Uh, three of the four Douglass children left narrative accounts about their mother. Uh, so th there is there is material, there is evidence about who Anna was, what her temperament was like, what her what her life was like, uh, how important she was as the core of that family and the core, for example, of her church community in Rochester, New York, or what it was like to move so many times, that whole family, and to move with Douglas uh, to Washington, D.C., for example. So, yeah, I, really, I do really look forward to that one. And Anna is not well known. Even people who really know Douglas well or love to read about Frederick Douglass just do not know Anna Douglas very well at all. So, David Blight, how would you describe the role that you and professors Gates and Goolsby play in the Black Lives series? Well, we're, uh, our role is the traditional role of series editors we uh, our job is to find authors who who have an idea or even to plan an idea for example in the case of jim shapiro the shakespeare scholar i simply got in touch with him and i said hey you ever thought of writing a book just on othello and he said oh my god i'd love to uh and then he he latched on to this idea of a short book about the play othello in its kind of American, in its American context over time. So, but Skip Gates has done the same thing, and Jackie Goldsby has done the same thing, especially with, with literary characters, uh, figures, I mean. Uh, so our job is to solicit manuscripts, find the authors, and then help the press uh, conceive the series broadly. And, and also, <coughs> our job in part, excuse me, is to give this series chronological range you know we're, we're in our discussions we're always trying to balance the 19th century with the 20th century and now with a few books about people and characters from antiquity or from shakespeare for example um so that's our job uh and then eventually uh we we read proposals uh, we recommend up and down to the press and uh and we're now working with a, a brand new editor at Yale Press, Jesse Kendig, who has been hired in part to edit this series, uh, which is quite exciting. And there are a lot of authors out there now beginning to hear about this series, learn about this series, and they have ideas. They, you know, oh, I've always wanted to write about so-and-so, or I've always wanted to write about so-and-so. 
and that's kind of the fun of it. How's it being funded? Well, it's being funded by Yale University Press and actually beyond that I can't say because I'm not sure I know. I know the, the Yale Press uh, is giving it from one of their uh, funds uh, a subvention, but also Yale Press is raising money to fund this series. And then, of course, I'm sure they hope it'll be uh, continued and funded through sales. The Jewish Life series has done very well in terms of book sales. Um, uh, there's some now classic short biographies in that series, and the hope is that, that will that will grow out of this. I mean, we're, we're publishing books also about very little known figures, which will surprise people. Uh, people who want to read about black history, but people who want to read, read about American literature or just American history more broadly will be stunned, I think, by one of our first two books that comes out in just weeks uh, by Catherine Mooney, a historian uh, trained here at Yale <laughs> who teaches at Florida State. But she's done a book on Isaac Murphy, who was the first great uh, African-American jockey in the 19th century. He won two of the first three Kentucky Derbies. He was born a slave, lived a fascinating life, became a celebrity athlete as a jockey in the 19th century. He was a former slave. Uh, he was the most sought after jockey in the horse racing business from the middle of like the reconstruction years to up to toward the late 19th century. And he lives ultimately a tragic life, uh, which I'll you know, I don't want to uh, spoil the story, but he's he's a great story. And most Americans, unless they're aficionados of horse racing, have never heard of Isaac Murphy. Uh, Richard Blackett has written, who's a who's a very distinguished historian of abolitionism and and partic particularly black abolitionism, has produced uh, a biography of Samuel Ringgold Ward, who was a former slave from Maryland, who starts his career in Canada as an editor and then an autobiographer who ends up ultimately a very important abolitionist in, in anti-slavery circles in the 1840s and 50s, but ends up exi exiling himself from America by the time of the Civil War, but left a remarkable record of the story of a, a former fugitive slave out of Maryland who builds a career as a journalist, editor of newspapers, autobiographer, and brilliant commentator on the meaning of race and slavery in the United States. He's one of those abolitionists that most Americans have never heard of. What's the importance of shining a light on more obscure biographies? Well, that all lives matter. That all lives count. Uh, and that there, there are some remarkable people in history who didn't leave as much Evidence, papers, materials, you know, they didn't become novelists and write 12 novels. Uh, they didn't become famous politicians and and uh, in the public eye for years and years. But they lived interesting lives in some kind of path of life. Uh, usually in this tradition, some kind of path of, of protest tradition, of literary tradition, of... Uh, uh, you know, organizational traditions. Uh, for example, this series is hopefully going to have 
a couple, if not a few books on major civil rights leaders from the early 20th century, from that age of Du Bois, uh, all the way up through the modern civil rights movement. And some of them are unsung heroes. Uh, I think lovers of history love to read about the relatively obscure who can become so fascinating in a short biography when you realize what they really did or what they tried to achieve or what they tried to change. Sometimes those are artists, you know, musicians or a poet or a novelist uh, uh, who who might have had a, you know, a short 10-year career like a Paul Lawrence Dunbar. I don't think we signed a Claude McKay book already uh, a Harlem Renaissance writer of great significance. We, I don't think we've signed a Paul Lawrence Dunbar book yet, but we need to. He's really the first great modern black poet, although he lived a very short life. How do you match topics with authors? Well, partly that comes from the author telling us what they want to do. Uh, the author just coming forward and saying, I would love to write about so-and-so. And we say, all right, do a proposal on that. And then sometimes we say, can you tweak that proposal and maybe take it a little bit in that direction? Or where are you finding the evidence on this and the material and so on? Uh, but sometimes we sit around when we have our Zoom meetings and we just kind of dream up topics. And then Skip or Jackie or, or I come up with, well, you know who might write that? Or you know who might write that? And also now the press, since the series is now more and more widely known, the press actually gets proposals submitted directly to them, uh, to the editors at the press. So um, in other words, ideas for the series can come in through the regular transom, so to speak. Um, but in many ways, the authors already are matching themselves to the personalities or figures they want to write about. And they have to make the case. They have to know where the sources are, where the evidence is. Uh, and then they have to have a, you know, a proposal with a strategy and an outline of how they want to write this book. Two of David Blight's books include the Frederick Douglass biography, Prophet of Freedom, came out in 2018, and Race and Reunion, The Civil War in American Memory, which came out in 2002. Professor Blight, are you working on a new book? Oh, yes. Uh, I'm working on a new full life of James Weldon Johnson, uh, the great African-American uh, poet, novelist, diplomat, and executive director for, oh, about 14 years of the NAACP in the 1920s. Uh, James Walden Johnson's uh, personal papers are all here at Yale. Uh, he's a major figure, not only in the literary flowering we call the Harlem Renaissance, but he was a, he was a true polymath. Uh, he worked in many different fields, so to speak, and he became a kind of uh, cultural broker for black America with everything from publishing to foundations. Uh, he also, as many will now know, is the author of the lyrics, his brother, the author of the music for the Black National Anthem called, called Lift Every Voice and Sing. Uh, there hasn't been a major biography of any kind of James Walden Johnson since 1971. I'm not doing that in the Black Lives series for Yale because it's not going to be a 200-page 
study, it's going to be a longer, fuller uh, biography. But that's my next book. And of course, Amani Perry of Princeton wrote the biography yes. of Lift Every Voice. So. Yes, she did. That's that's kind. Of, that's yeah, it is. It's a kind of a biography of a song. Over time, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a wonderful book, and it'll be a a, a very nice guide for me when I get to that part of of writing about Johnson's life. Johnson lived an epic life that most Americans know next to nothing about, and died tragically in a in a horrific auto accident. Well, David Blight, Yale University history professor and advisory board member of the Yale University Press Black Lives series. Thanks for being with us on Book TV. Thank you. Uh, very glad to be here and uh, to let people know about the new series with Yale Press. Thank you. And you're watching and listening to the About Books program and podcast produced by C-SPAN's Book TV. Well, each Tuesday, dozens of new books are published. Here's a recent sampling. Legal scholar Alan Dershowitz's latest book examines the efforts to keep former President Trump from running again in 2024. It's entitled Get Trump, The Threat to Civil Liberties, Due Process, and Our Constitutional Rule of Law. And as the United States marks the 50th anniversary of the 1973 withdrawal of combat troops from Vietnam, journalist George Black is out with his book on the lasting scars of that war. It's entitled The Long Reckoning, A Story of War, Peace, and Redemption in Vietnam. And finally, CNN's Joan Biskupic released her latest book on the nation's highest court. It's called Nine Black Robes, Inside the Supreme Court's Drive to the Right and Its Historic Consequences. And as always, look for these authors in the near future to appear on Book TV. Well, thanks for joining us for About Books this week. It's a program and podcast produced by C-SPAN's Book TV. Book TV will continue to bring you new programs and publishing news. A reminder that you can get this podcast and all other C-SPAN podcasts on our C-SPAN Now app. And you can also watch online anytime all of our author programs at booktv.org.